You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. We're here to poke the bear. You're listening to Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, pastor of Redemption Hill Church, located where, Logan? In the Des Moines Metro. In the Des Moines Metro. Can you be more specific? It's hard to, because it gets more complicated. It does. Radiant Elementary. Located in? in Urban. But it's a walkie school. Walkie school. Cross street from Clive. Right. And a stone's throw away from Grimes. Right. So that's why I say Des Moines Metro. Yeah. That's why we just say Des Moines Metro. Who who did the boundaries of that area? I don't know. I think it's political. Yeah. They're like, I'm grabbing this piece of land. Yeah. But anyways, we'd love for you to check us out sometime if you're, if you're, uh, if you're cruising through, uh, I-35 or I-80 and, uh, come check us out if you're local and, uh, you're looking for a good reform Baptist confessional church. Uh, We are your, we are your people. Or if you want to be like, what does it mean to be reform or go to reform church? Come check us out anyways. We'd love to have you. Sure. This is a place where we worship the one true God and, uh. You both, we all worship together. We all go to Redemption Hill. Dean Klein to my right, Logan Kane to my left, whose voice you already heard. And uh, we're here to talk about a t- particular topic that I think, Logan, I said, you know, here to poke the bear. Right. There's certainly going to be some bear poking today because of the nature of our topic, which is going to mm-hmm. be the nature of man. And we can expand out on that topic, the nature of man and woman, of course, in, in the context of redemption as well. Mm-hmm. But before you get to the context of redemption, we'll be talking about... Um, God's design for man and woman, when certainly yep. that's a controversial topic for our day. Before we get there, however, can you explain why we're doing this particular topic? I've, I've blogged on this plenty right. at cornfieldtheology.com, and so you can find some some blogs on design specifically on that topic. Mm-hmm. But why why are we doing this? Why are we here? Why are we here in Dean's palatial <laughs> office here? A tabernacle. A ta- really? It's a tabernacle. <laughs> it's a library of books and kick butt DVDs and figurines. <laughs> and, and a history of cartoons in the form of figurines. Yeah. <laughs> like what we got going on here is quite remarkable, Dean. You got Trinity blood right over there. Yeah. You probably like that one. There's a lot to like in here, frankly. But why are we here? Um, so we're here. So we, we've we touched on anthropology, men and women before. Uh, but I think there's mm-hmm. two reasons. One is the fact that Dean and I went to a conference, uh, the Serious Joy Conference, which we mentioned in our podcast on John Knox. Right. Whether or not that comes out before or after this one, who knows? <laughs> right, right. Um, and that conference was specifically on anthropology. And Kevin DeYoung had a presentation on the distinction between men and women. And he really highlighted that from Genesis, but also then showed how that distinction, and I hope to basically reiterate it and share it here, how the, that distinction plays in marriage and how marriage is used throughout the story of the Bible Certainly it's part of the meta narrative of redemption. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect. There's the other aspect of the fact that this is really a topic of our culture and of our time today. Yeah. Like there is constant news about the confusion between men and women, men seeking to be women, women seeking to be men, transgenderism, transgenderism. Right. Are um, there 80 genders or are there 90 or what's order. the latest number? Uh, and, and should we be, why are we distinguishing between gender and sex, right? Right. Gender is a construct. 
and so they've disconnected gender from sex, and so you sorry can, they claim you, gender as a construct. Right, 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 right. And so you could be a biological male, but you want your gender to be female. Mm-hmm. Right? You can construct that. You can you can construct that reality. Yep. All that to say, there is an immense amount of confusion in our culture mm-hmm. regarding. Um, humanity, God's creation of man and woman, men and women, period, right? Right. Period. And so we're here just to kind of talk through a topic like this. Like you guys, I went to a conference on it, a different one. You guys went to a conference on it. I mean, this is a conference type of topic. We're not Mm going to, we're not here to cover the breadth of it. Uh, We simply can't. Um, But we do want to touch on it and just be very clear. And I think, I think what you're, bringing out Logan what you guys learn both of you what is this picture of marriage that could help us think well about God's design for men and women right and its importance and its importance yeah right so we're on this topic because it is important we need to discuss it and we want to help Christians think well about this topic we're not we're not Christians with a rock in their shoe who's trying to you know I don't I'm not carrying a stick trying to knock down every thing which in which the culture disagrees with the church I'm not, you know, I'm not looking to, I am rattling some cages, but I, my main thing is I, I want Christians to think biblically on this topic more than anything else. Right. Because what is happening, and this is one of my major concerns as a pastor, is that what we see in culture is not only creeping into the church, in some aspects of the of the church culture in America, the floodgates are open. Mm-hmm. Sure. And, and uh, we want to do this in a, in a loving way. Mm-hmm. but also love that is saturated with the truth mm-hmm. of God's word. So more of like a expectations of, of laying the ground here of our, our approach here. Uh, we don't want to shy away from what God has said, and we certainly want to be loving and gracious and kind mm-hmm. and thinking well about this. So where would we go? Where would we go? We, I said that we want to be biblical. We want to think, we want to sp- speak truth. Where would be the first place we would go, Dean? Or Dean, I'm looking at Logan. Logan, I can be Dean. I be. Yeah. I'd love to be Dean. <laughs> um, I'd I think love to have your age. You can. We can trade ages. <laughs> no, actually, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to moving on. Yeah. Changing addresses. The, R, the R word. Oh, I was also thinking about retirement. Yeah, that's what I was you're, thinking too. you're thinking about heaven, which is see. This is why I want to be like Dean. Right. I thought he was our, talking about retirement. Went to retirement, <laughs> and he's like, "Nah, I'm ready for heaven." I, I actually want to keep working. Uh, I'm, I, I'm eligible to retire this summer in August for you know with a full pension, but uh, I actually want to keep working. I, I enjoy. I just enjoy working. I just enjoy staying active. And another reason I want to be Dean. <laughs> I don't like working at all. All right, I forgot your question. Uh, where do we Where do we begin? How do we even begin to help Christians think about this topic? Right. Where do we go? We always want to go to God's creation, mm-hmm. to Genesis, because when we're talking about like who defines man and woman, because we've already talked about how they're trying to like rip sex and gender, saying sex is a construct. God defines gender and sex. Correct. So we go to Genesis. Genesis one. You could really go just read Genesis 1 and 2. But Genesis one twenty seven specifically said, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. How did he do it? Male and female, he, he created, created them. them. So we already see in Genesis God's design for man, that they are male and female, which is just a fundamental thing that has been true for millennia. <laughs> yeah, up until the last five minutes, nobody, very few, I shouldn't say nobody, Yeah, very few, whether it's a Christian culture or not, 
Right, have all of Western civilization. Yeah, what most civilizations? Yeah, I mean, it's obvious. Sure. <laughs> yeah, and it's like there's other like I I know like some arguments when it comes to transgenderism is like oh well like Native Americans had a term for people that were more and- androgynous androgynous yeah um like calling it like dual soul, soul and and stuff like that it, it's like and this is where i go back to well it's not it's not the native americans that get to define gender it's god mm-hmm. god clearly states that his intended design is male and female now due to the fall and due to the sin mm-hmm. it's been corrupted and changed now we right. have you know uh defects in in our genetics where you can right. cause someone to have the appearance of both but the the fundamental clinical things like gender dysphoria we're not dismissing that and then again product of the fall which 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 uh took the hard wire Mm -hmm. and began to corrupt it right right and so as the kind of the state we're in but even even after the fall of genesis 3 there was still a a a plain understanding that there were two sexes Mm -hmm. right period and the vast majority of people those two sexes yeah male and female. So throughout history, up until the last five minutes, people understood there was always exceptions to a rule. Right. Yes. But but now things have changed. Mm. The exception is becoming more and more that you hold to this position, especially within Western culture, right. more specifically. It's it's we. And I don't want to speak crudely, but it's just the tone of what I keep hearing is that we are now the bigots. Right. Because we hold to. God created man and woman in his image. Right. He created them, period. We're not the strange ones. Right. Right. Like, oh, there was, I think Kevin DeYoung, I'm going to share this this story that he shared. I think it was him. No, it was, I, think oh, no. I know what you're talking about. It was uh, uh, the other guy, Rigby. Rigby. Yes, the handsome man, right? <laughs> was that the one? Joe Rigby, the bald guy? Joe Rigney? What? Oh, Rigney. was it Joe Rigney? Rigney. Was he, I, are you telling about the story of his child? Yeah. No, no. His his child where they go to like Chipotle. That was Joe Rigney. Joe Rigney. Okay. I'll still say he's handsome, but there was one guy that was, he had great hair and it wasn't Joe Rigney <laughs> um, at the conference. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. Great. Anyways, but Joe Rigney then um, was talking about his kid. They went to Chipotle mm-hmm. and his kid asked him like, is that the person behind the counter? Is that a girl or a boy? Oh, certainly. And, you know, they order their food and you sit down and Joe Rigney. Uh, yeah, how old was his child? I forget. Maybe like six. Yeah. It was a teaching moment. A teaching moment. Mm-hmm. He sat his child down and he said, said to his child, honestly, I do not know. But, and he said exactly what you said, but we're not the strange ones. Mm-hmm. It, it is okay. Perfectly normal. Yeah. To question. It's perfectly normal to question. I had that experience this morning. I went through a Jimmy John's drive through to get some sandwiches for some of the kids and my wife. Yeah. And I, 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 left, today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I left the drive-thru and I I honestly didn't know if it was a boy or a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was it appeared to be a young boy, but the hair was down to the middle of the back mm-hmm. and his voice seemed to carry with it feminine qualities. Sure. And I, and I used that as a teaching moment, mm-hmm. making clear to my kids I just, I asked out loud because I didn't really know. Mm-hmm. I, I said, I, I don't know if that was a boy or a girl. And Kezia had the same observation. She was in the front seat on the right, to, to the right of me, Kezia. The passenger seat? Yeah. And she had the same observation. And, and then I said, but I will tell you this. What it says on his birth certificate is what he is. Mm-hmm. Although that's being changed these days as well. Birth certificates, leaving out one's... 
that's biological ha- sex. That's happening now. Yeah, that is happening. Uh, these these stories are happening everywhere. It, it, you can't live life in America these days anywhere. We're in the middle of America. We're not even in a more. We're not even in the most progressive areas of the country. Mm-hmm. Right. We're in middle of Iowa. And I understand that there are some parts of this country that we're, it's far extreme. We oh wouldn't yeah. even recognize. It. Yeah, like Iowa's purple leans red. It's red now. It's solid red now. But regardless of the, the political demographics, my point right. is is that here, we're seeing it even here. Yeah. Oh, right. it's, a, it's yeah here. in our it schools. It it's in our schools. At my work. It's at your work. It's not. You're not. It's not leaving us anytime no, soon. No. And we have to. We have to think well and biblically about this topic and figure out. We need to learn to be loving, Absolutely. while at the same time, like I said at the intro. Uh, not backing down from the truth. Right. Uh, here's a little bit of... Because backing b- down from the truth is unloving. Correct. And we Absolutely. talked about that in a previous podcast. And we've right. talked plenty about that. Let me let me throw down some statistics on you guys. Americans who self-identified as LGBTQ in 2012, two, 2021 by generation. By generation. So just two years ago. Uh, so those b- who were born before the 1946, uh, this particular study called them the traditionalists. 0.8. 0. 0.8. Mm-hmm. Baby boomers. So it's 1940. That's you, Dean. And that's getting into the start of the sexual revolution, by yeah, the way, 1960s. Where, where, where you didn't have as much of um, LGBTQ, plus you had a bunch of straight, generally speaking, white people fornicating. Sexual mm. revolution. Which is another sin we should still preach yes, against. Exactly. Absolutely. That's why I bring it up because. Mm-hmm. But I do think there's some similar philosophical underpinnings of what we saw in the 60s in the sure. sexual revolution and what we see today, which is, uh, if you read Carl Truman's book, The Rise and Fall of the Modern Self, where he talks a lot about like uh, the, indi- the, the gross individualism, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about me and my feelings and what right. I believe about myself. Right. We become sovereign. Yeah, right. we become our own gods. and yeah. Rise of relativism. Correct. My truth. He traces that historically, and it's a brilliant book. You should read it. Um, I recommend it. So that's the Baby Boomers 2.6, 2.6, going mm-hmm. up to 1964. And then you have the Gen Xers, which is where, I, where I, I'm. You've been kicked out of Millennial. I've been kicked out of Millennial. You're, see previous we'll podcasts. We'll call you Gen, Z, yep, Gen Z, X. 4.2. So it's 1965 to 1980. 4.2 identifies LGBTQ in 2021. Millennials. Are you the millennial generation? Yep. I am. Like I said, you were the beginning of the millennial generation. I am the end of the millennial generation. How old are you, Logan? I am 26. 26. That's a guess. So 10.5% of the population identified as LGBTQ. Gen Z, so 1997 to 2003. We don't even have statistics for those born after 2003, 2003. which I'm telling you, it's going to be higher. It's going to be higher. Yeah. I promise you. 208 Mm-hmm. What this tells me, in addition to other statistics on this particular topic, is that this isn't something you're born with. This is a social contagion. Mm-hmm. It's a social contagion. I'll give you an example. Uh, one of my daughters plays a sport, and uh, when her season, she's been doing it for a couple years now, and when her season started, one of her friends, who she had not seen because they're in a different school situations, she identified as bi and something else, queer and bi or something. And uh, uh, my daughter, she handled it wonderfully. She's, she loves the Lord, and she's a gracious individual. But what she learned is that this person has to identify with these particular categories 
so that she can stay in her friend group. She, uh, that's literally it's a new over. kind of peer pressure. It's a new. Yeah. It's exactly right. And if you don't want to lose friends, you 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 do what your friends tell you to do. You you want to hang out. You want to be part yep. of the cool club. Yeah, you're either doing that or you're like you have to accept it as correct. Yep. So I'm not dismissing the fact that there are some people who are truly troubled, who are born male and they they think they're female. The gender dysphoria. I'm not dismissing that. I want to have a tremendous amount of compassion for people who struggle with same sex attraction, as another example. Right. That's a part of the fall. Right. But we cannot dismiss the fact that there's something else going on here. There are other powers that are uh, that are at work, evil powers, and it is this social contagion. And the question always beca- now the question becomes how do how sh- how then shall we live? To quote Francis Schaeffer, boys, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's exactly right. Like you can talk about the it's a nature versus nurture argument. I think you can clearly see that it is more of a of a uh, a nurture it's not it's not inerrant because if it, it was inerrant because a lot of people will say it was like oh um you know it was it's it people are coming out more because it's more socially acceptable um if that would be the case i think you would see across all generations people coming out more saying like yep i've been this closet for all this sort of line uh time uh but uh, now I can. Now I'm free. But you're seeing it's very generational, which tells me that mm-hmm. it's a lot more of the n- nurture, not the nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's a little more factoids for you. Uh, the percentage of U.S. adults who identify as LGBTQ has doubled over the past decade, from 3.5% in 2012 to 7.1% in 2021. I mean, that's a huge, mm-hmm. huge jump. Millennials, ages 26 to 41, um, increased from 58 in t- t- 2012 to 10.5%. The number of traditionalists that we talked about, baby boomers and Gen X adults who identify as LGBTQ has has held relatively steady. So what you're seeing, it's the younger generations. Yes. Yep. It's the younger generations where, where before, with older generations, you certainly had a contingent of LGBTQ community, but now more and more it is the kids, which right. as a parent, you know. It's scary. It's scary, and it gives me a ton of reactions because I love my children and I want them to follow God's way and right. not the culture's way. We all follow God's definition, male and female right. in Genesis. All right. Well, and it's being promoted in our media and, and, mm. uh, and of course with the, the advances of social media, this, that's a whole new animal added to what we're dealing with today as opposed to previous generations. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, listen, TikTok is a spawn of Satan. And it, 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 I'm sorry, it is. I use TikTok. Yeah, I know. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> We're gonna talk later. <laughs> I, mean, never, I will not let one. Oh, kid in, I will not let one kid in this house be involved with TikTok. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I do. Never mind. Do the I fact, need to go under? I can't church. Tell, talk about my adult kids. I can't control them. But do I need to go under church discipline? <laughs> no. And never mind that it's Chinese, right? Table that discussion. That's just mm-hmm. more. That's more politics, but. You go and you see all the reels and you see what it's doing to our kids and how it's being used Mm. to indoctrinate our children. Let's not be shy about saying there is a battle of indoctrination going on, in my opinion, within the church, which is what we see in God's word Mm. and what we're getting from TikTok. Right. You're always being indoctrinated into something. Yeah, totally. And That's why we're unapologetic in using that word. <laughs> we're indoctrinating our children into the Christian faith. And? Right. 
<laughs> ah, I'm indoctrinating my kid into truth. Into truth, right. Oh, no. Um, Lord forbid. Um, but someone might ask us, like, okay, yeah. why are you making such a hubbub? Yeah. Why is it such a big deal? Um, and because the distinction between men and women plays into more aspects of the Christian faith and truth than just the distinction of men and women. This is where I want to talk about, like, marriage. Yeah. When we look at marriage, how does God define marriage? Because just as God defines gender, God defines marriage. Correct. So what do we see? We go back to Genesis. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. I love that. The, yeah. That picture. The two shall become one flesh. Yeah. And, oh, is it said once? No, it's not. Jesus right. says it in right. Matthew 19.5. He says it... Um, same situation, but it's repeated again in Mark ten seven. So two gospel writers. This this is important. <laughs> so you're saying that Jesus actually does get us? And, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started on that. Ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, um, he created but us. The point I'm trying to make there is, if Jesus established the parameters of true marriage, right, between a male and a female, that's that pretty much settles it. Right. I mean, I would say Jesus said it in Genesis two twenty four because I'm a Trinitarian. Yeah. Um, but yeah. he also like well, he wrote it. Yeah. yeah. And then he also he used Moses, but he wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, well the, but the argument oftentimes is made. Well, right. Jesus never said anything about know. about gay marriage. Oh yeah, he it, absolutely he actually did. did. Yeah, when he when he says, uh, yeah, marriage is between a man and a woman, or quoting Genesis two twenty four. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. yeah and if he's we're talking gonna, about it, and, and if 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 churches are going to. Um, hinge on these things then what else do you want to give up that jesus said right uh what if you do, do if you try to to chip away at the creation account what else are we going to give up mm-hmm. because ultimately when you give up the creation account you give up the gospel mm. mm-hmm. uh, paul also repeated and quoted genesis 2 24 in first uh, corinthians 6 16 and ephesians 5 13 so we're seeing this teaching of marriage, which hinges upon the definition of there being a male and a female and the union between them. It's it's in the Old Testament. It's repeated by Jesus. It's repeated by Paul. I forget if I made this joke, uh, this podcast or the last, but what happens when you repeat something? Oh, it's important. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> we can say it's like all these five different instances. But the, the meta, this, this language and of the bride and the bridegroom. Yeah. Well, that's what I want to touch on like even further. So like not only is, you know, the definitions of gender, the male and female important to marriage, marriage itself is important because it is a mystery that Paul says, you know, the, 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 this mystery is the picture of Christ and his Mm -hmm. church. Man is to be like Christ. Yeah. The woman is like the church. So marriage in itself is this depiction of the union between Christ and his church. And so this is, uh, I'm just going to read Ephesians 5.32. The mystery is profound and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Just so I can be like, boom, it's in scripture. Right. So that picture gets marred when you introduce homosexuality or lesbian relationships, or transgender relationships. I think uh, Kevin DeYoung put it like this. You don't see Christ in Christ. Mm-hmm. That'd be male and male. You don't see the church in the church. That's female and fem- or female. Yeah. You can't see the church become Christ. That would be transgenderism, or Christ becoming the church. The two get married. Yeah, I mean, I would go so far to, s- to say that it's blasphemous. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so what you're saying is that the model Paul writes about in Ephesians 5, which he's talking about marriage, but he's talking about something more important than marriage. He's talking about the marriage between the bridegroom, Jesus mm -hmm. Christ, and the bride, which is the church of Christ, the body of right. Christ. Something bigger here because everything always comes back to the gospel, yeah. including this passage, Absolutely. which is often read at wedding uh, <laughs> services, right. but it is about... Christ and the church, ultimately, Absolutely. even though we can take lessons from it. Once you once you change the dynamics of what a true marriage is, you destroy this model. Is what Absolutely. Yep. And that I'm saying that the destruction of that model is blasphemous. Yeah. Right. And, and do we see this model, this idea of church and his bride picked up again? Yeah. Uh, the book Revelation. of Revelation. Book of Revelation. few quotes because I come prepared. Yeah, man. Get a little note taker over here. <laughs> I learned from seminary. Uh, Revelation 19, 7. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him, Christ, glory. For the marriage of the lamb, Christ again, has come and his bride, the church, the, the church has made herself ready. Revelation 21, 2. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Revelation 21, 9. Uh, then came one of the seven angels who had the seven bulls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me saying, come, I will show you the bride, again, the church, the wife of the lamb, again, Christ. Yeah. So this, this depiction of marriage, which hinges on, you know, Genesis, you see it from Genesis to Revelation. It's spanning the oh, whole yeah. meta narrative of the Bible, of the gospel. The end of the gospel, when we repent and believe, is that we will be with Christ. We are the church, and he will and be our, I hate, because it's weird, but he's the groom. We're the bride. And we're the bride, yep. and we get to be with him. This beautiful picture of the gospel gets destroyed when you start attacking and destroying the meaning and structure of marriage that God has defined. Yeah. And that's troubling. Like you said, you, you call that, you know, you willing to call that heresy, and Rightfully so. Well, in this, uh, the, the passage you read uh, from Revelation 21 comes on the heels of a passage in Revelation 20 where it describes Satan himself as being cast mm -hmm. into the lake of fire at the final judgment. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we do know that Satan hates everything that God has established, including the, um, the, the beauty, beauty of marriage itself but also the relationship between Christ and the church. We see that picture on full display in, in Revelation chapter 12, mm -hmm. where Satan, not only he comes after Christ, but then he also comes after Christ's people, the church. Mm, right. it's, it's a war. He's, he's, he's seeking to kill um, and destroy. And so this is a satanic assault, what mm -hmm. we're seeing in our day and age. It's, a, it's a, an intense satanic assault uh, in, in ways we've not seen before. Absolutely. Are you sure you're not Pentecostal? <laughs> no, I, <laughs> Satan's crushed. He, I don't look around. I don't look around every bush looking for him. Yeah, right. But I, I, I adhere to C.S. Lewis's thoughts. Um, Satan wants you to either be obsessed with him sure. or to ignore him altogether. Yeah. Right. And we need to have a healthy respect. Yeah, but right. he is defeated. He's right. defeated. And that's why he's mad. And that's why he's trying to kill as many off as he can. Before and what, what um, more horrific in strategic way of Satan to go after God and his people than through 
his design mm-hmm. for men and for a man and a woman. Not only that, also the family. Yeah. Which I've gone on record many times of saying the the foundation, the bedrock of any thriving society mm-hmm. is is the the home is the family yeah. and all of western civilization has understood that for thousands right. of years man woman get married have babies yeah. make more babies yeah i mean think about this you know you're seeing marriage as a depiction of christ and his bride satan coming in and be i'm going to distort that yeah i'm going to change that and mar it and throw the world into confusion yeah i mean we can thought we can think about this historically at least in you know america and western society but first was things like no fault divorce, things like that. Yeah, sure. The introduction to that. But then as as centuries go by or years go by and, you know, decade over decade, other things have been corrupted, as yep. we've been pointing out in this podcast. The very understanding of, of what a man is, the, the, the biological understanding, the natural understanding, the biblical understanding of man and woman. Mm. And I'm not shocked by what we see anymore. Because that has been compromised, like what we've seen in our culture and society, because that has clearly been compromised. Every step is just a little closer to hell. Yeah. Like just, and now we're kind of starting to do leaps. Yeah. So there's no wonder to me that uh, within the more solid, biblically faithful churches and, and denominations, we've seen a lot of conferences on this topic to help. Yeah. I'll be like, listen, this is what's going on. And we even had Congress pass a law defining marriage against God's word. It's not a, Mm. it's the unmarriage act, whatever it's called, you know? You mean the one that they actually signed into law in the mid 1990s under the Clinton administration? They signed the sanctity of marriage act. Right. And that's how far we've fallen. Right. In such a short amount of time. Yeah. In 2015. And I I just want to touch on this real quick. Um, Kevin DeYoung, I think rightfully put an emphasis in his presentation that we should not give up on words. Mm. Marriage is only between a man and a woman. Correct. In the definition of words. Well, this, right. And we're seeing that, you you know, in, in our universities, <laughs> yeah. where a lot of the battlegrounds are fought is actually in the meaning of words. The, that's what they call deconstructionism. Right. right. Is it another podcast for another day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. You start a like a of, list. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on deconstructionism. I thought of and, the podcast when you preached today on revival. I love that subject. We got to do that yeah. one too. Because we need revival. Yeah, we certainly do. And that begins with repentance and faith. So, boys, gentlemen. Let me ask Logan a question. Yeah, go for, go it. for it. Um, how does this apply to the single? I, I had the same thought. Glad because Kevin did address that. Kevin DeYoung did address that, did he not? Yeah, I'm I believe so. How would you answer I that? I didn't take notes on that part. <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's, here's my response, and you can... You know, look at your notes. I said I didn't take notes on oh, it. How didn't can I take look notes, at Sorry. <laughs> whether you're married or single, whether you're young and single and not married yet, um, or maybe you're called to the life of singleness, which and Paul commended. Yeah, and I think or, many people think he practiced. Or yeah, or widowed, right? Yeah. yeah. You can still love God's design for marriage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should love God's design for marriage because of what you see in Christ. And, yeah. and if you're a follower of Christ, you are going to be a part of a wedding ceremony. Right. Absolutely. You're, like you're single, you're a Christian, you're the bride. You're part <laughs> of the bride. Like what helps is what helps is if you're single and you're, you know, part of this conversation about marriage, you can look back and realize you're still part, you're still made in the image of God. Yep. Right. And you can look forward knowing one day, as you rightly point out, Dean, I'm part of that. I'm part of the supper. I'm yeah. part of the supper. 
Yeah. And and there's a passage in in Luke. Uh, I I I've, I I can't remember where it's exactly. I, if you gave me five minutes, I'd find it. It'd come to me. But sure. there is a passage in Luke where it says on that day that as we gather at that that the Lamb's Supper, that that big that the big marriage banquet, supper, yeah, that big banquet, that Jesus Christ Himself, our bridegroom. Is gonna literally in the Greek is going to wait on us. Mm-hmm. He's the waiter. Yeah, I'm yeah. A stunning. Talk about love and humility. How great is our God? Mm. Yeah, that's all you can say. How great is our God? <laughs> so let's uh, dial back a little bit here and ask what is going on. And I got a few categories. What is going on in our culture? Why do we see such drastic change? And then I'll ask the question to you guys. How does the church respond to this very specifically? Obviously, there's this need, specifically with our young, right? Let's think about those who are younger. A need for acceptance, social acceptance in particular, right? I think generally speaking, there's a cultural sympathy to the LGBTQ plus community. Sure. Um, I don't think of that community as minority anymore, frankly. Um, they're They're in every aspect of our culture from... Target to politics to sports teams mm-hmm. to whatever to an entire month dedicated toward it, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't get away from it. It's the elephant in the room. It, it's to, to me, it's no longer an elephant. To me, it's it's just there. Yeah. And we have to talk about it. Veterans get a day. Veterans get a day. Veterans get a day. LGBTQ gets a month. I never thought of it that way. All right. Um, so those are some. Now you're sounding like John Knox. Yeah, <laughs> that's a little bit of what's going on. Also, obviously, same-sex attraction, gender dysphoria, increased screen time, which we mentioned. In school, you have the cool factor and the general need for friendship. And some questions that every young person is is asking right now is, "Who am I?" It's an identity question. Yep. And this is where, as Christians, we need to be equipped to be like, I, "I got an answer for you. I have an answer for you," and be eager to talk about that. Mm. Uh, so that's one. Qu- where do I fit? We all want to belong, right? Right. We want friends, and so as Christians, we need to be like, dude, you ca- uh, can you meet my friends at church? Sure. Like, come hang out with us. Belong, belong here. Mm-hmm. Hear about the hear about truth every single Sunday and in between two Sundays. Right. So we have an answer to that. Wasn't well, it interesting that Calvin began his institutes with those questions? He said. He, he, he asserted that without knowledge of self, there is no knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. And then he went on to write, and without knowledge of God, there is no knowledge of self. Mm-hmm. So who I am, identity, where do I fit belonging? What difference do I make personally? That's a purpose. Right. Like what difference do I personally make? And, and uh, God has an answer to that as well. Absolutely. Like with when it, I'm just going to chime in real quick. Cause yeah, like, I've already talked about how, God defines ma- marriage. He defines man and woman. And you're now asking, like, who am I? Mm. God defines that, too. Correct. You don't look inward to yourself to define you. You look to God who defines you. This this leads me to my next point is where do we f- see the truth, right? Mm. If we're going to answer those questions as Christians, we need, to, we need to realize there is an objective truth outside of ourselves that right. gives us the answer to those, pati- p- those particular and pressing questions. To our point earlier... The truth is not this. The truth we're talking about here is not subjective, mm-hmm. right? Like Dean Klein doesn't get to define the meaning of these of this truth or, the, or of these words. God does, and so Christians need to have a, a, a 
clear understanding of where truth lies, not within yourself. Right. Uh, we read in John 8, 31, 32, if you abide by my word, you are truly my disciple. So if you abide my by my word, not your word, not Dean Klein's word, not Sean Power's word, not Logan Kane's word, by the word of Jesus, you are truly my disciples and you will know truth and the truth will set you free. What is so sad in all this, we see so many people caught up in sin and in bondage and in brokenness. I mean, we're already seeing, we're already seeing England, right, in particular, go back on some of the decisions they made about transgenderism because they see the fruit, the unhealthy fruit mm-hmm. of allowing kids in particular to have sex changes. Mm-hmm. And they're realizing that, oh my goodness, when they're not thinking this, I'm saying this. That's why they when have mess laws with God's against, design. that's why they have laws that say minors can't even get tattoos because they know that in most states, I, b- I believe that's still the case. That yeah, unless like parents' permission at like 16, maybe yeah. at the earliest. You know, because you you may regret it. That's why they can't get licensed by a certain say, drive a car. And I, I mean, g- there's there's certain. And I can't remember the major institute in England that that shut down that was doing tra- transgender mm. uh, sur- surgeries with kids in particular minors, but they're like hard stop. We just realized we made a huge mistake. And Interesting. You, yeah. and, and the reason why. This is a, a duh thing for us is because we know how God designed it. When, mm-hmm. you, when you begin to buck against God's design, you can expect so there the consequences f- of there that. are physical and emotional implications that <clears throat> last a lifetime. Yeah, I mean, shoot. One, I've seen so many videos of people who have transitioned now going back and regretting it. They were like, it was a dumb decision by me that my parents allowed. Mm-hmm. And they're just filled with regret and remorse. And you also see through suicide statistics Correct. It's not helping. Nope. And someone will be like, oh, well, that's just because the culture won't accept them. Their suicide rate after transitioning is higher than Jews in Auschwitz. You're not going to tell me it's worse than Auschwitz. No. And so it gets back to the question you asked is, who, yeah. so who am I? And how would mm-hmm. you answer that, Logan? I mean, who, based on your understanding of Genesis 1, 1, I, I, go, I go back to Genesis 1 where God says we're created, or Genesis, the first chapters of Genesis where mm-hmm. God says we're created in his image. Right. We're, we're more than an, you know, an, a, a, by an accident. We didn't happen by chance. Right. There's, there's design. Right. So who do, I, I go throughout, throughout the scriptures to define who I am. So first, Genesis, absolutely, I'm made in the image of God. That means I'm to reflect him, his characteristics, and his truth. Um, I am male. I I am male. Right. I am a man. And you're created with a purpose. And I'm created with a purpose. What is that purpose? To glorify God. And enjoy to... him forever. Thanks, John Piper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also but also the way we glorify God and join him forever, you can stick in Genesis, is to have dominion. Mm-hmm. Have mm-hmm. dominion and uh, make babies. <laughs> You know, and, and all of this is in what in obedience to God, because that's Correct. what God has de- declared us to or commanded us to do. Right. I want to go further though, so I made I made for but this. There was, but then something happened. Right. Then something happened. Genesis three, <laughs> and, and you have Genesis three. Sin goes to all men mm. from uh, Romans five. So now I'm a sinner. I'm now, by the definition of God, I am now alienated from God. I'm not part of the, you know, his commonwealth. And so I'm a sinner in need of grace, in need of mercy. And I am called by Jesus Christ and by God to repentance Mm. so that I can be saved so that my sins can be washed away, blotted out. And now, now I'm a child of God. And let me add this. Okay. Let me add this. And then I want you to continue. 
There's no one person who is far enough from the reach of God. No, absolutely not. Paul, maybe not directly killed Christians, but supported mm-hmm. the death of Christians. He held clothes as people were stoning Stephen. And he was saved. Yeah. In fact, Paul wrote these words uh, toward the end of his life. He said, it is a trustworthy statement mm-hmm. that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of Absolutely. whom I am chief. He persecuted the bride of Christ. How and, he saw it. And now he is part of it. That's how merciful and gracious our God is. Yeah. Amen to that. So, fellas... Um, you don't know this, but I'll just tell you right now and anyone who's listening, one thing that we'll be doing, uh, Lord willing, in the fall is a set of classes. We're partnering with another church locally that's very like-minded. And uh, I'm not giving all the details until all that gets codified, but we're all on the same page. And we're going to be talking about this. We're going to talk about, okay, as Christians, how do we then live? Now, first, let's talk about, let's lay the foundation. What's going on? Let's be honest with it. And then as Christians, how do we live? And then we get really into the granular, even to the degree of like, as a parent who sends my kid to school or to a sports activity where all those kids are being, not all of them, but some of them are being indoctrinated with the LGBTQ uh, ideology. Mm -hmm. And obviously as Christians, we're doing something distinctly different. How do we help them think through? I go Mm -hmm. back to my, one of my daughters, right? Immediately when uh, she got into the car and we were he- headed home, she told me about her interaction with her friend. Uh, it was it was an opportunity for me as a parent to come along my child and disciple her. Mm-hmm. One, lead her back to truth, to God's word. Okay, okay, honey, let's talk about what God says. Let's talk about what this person says. Now let's talk about the, the Christian response to love well. Um, you don't need to not be her friend or whatever. Right, right. You, you actually... You can continue to try to have a good gospel-centered conversation where you're just planting seeds. You know, mm-hmm. this person might not get it right away, right. but you don't know what that person's going to recall a year, two years, four years, five years mm-hmm. from now, where it's like, oh man, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Our call is not to be isolationists. <laughs> no, right. you know, we we shouldn't just cut ourselves off. From, e- even though mm-hmm. even though the culture is saying we are fundamentalists because of the things we hold, we don't have that posture. Right. We actually lean in to speaking truth where there's air and do so in a way that is kind, compassionate, and loving. So if anyone who would be listening to this or not listening to this were to come to our church, say, let's say they struggle with same-sex attraction or they struggle with some particular sin of sexual morality, whether it's part of the LGBTQ alphabet or whether it's pornography or whether it's adultery, you are welcome in our church and you will hear the gospel. And we'll, we will, like as I preached, you know, today repent and have faith repent of the specific sin that we can pull out in scripture and say this is that we see this is destructive but god has called us to another way mm-hmm. um, we can we're going to preach that message yeah that message is not only for that friend of your daughter's who is in that lifestyle it is a message for a person who's just sitting in church correct ap- apart from christ just under the bondage of legalism and the, they mm-hmm. seem like they have their life together and yet they need Christ just as much as that person. Yeah. Um, but, but as far as our response, you know, Peter says, be ready to give everyone an answer for the reason, for the hope that us. lies within yeah. you with meekness and respect. We who are sitting here at this table are sinners 
saved by God's grace and mercy. Right. And we recognize that apart from that, we would not be sitting here. Oh, I, I, I have opined many times with my wife. I, I fearful about what I would have become apart from Christ. Mm. Truly am. In the, in the path of destruction, I would have left behind how not only that would affect me, but how I would have hurt other people as well. Yeah, and, and we talked about it earlier, how that, that this is a satanic assault. Satan hates every one of us. He hates mm. those who seemingly are living a sinful, rebellious life against God as much as he hates those who are living in accordance with God's law. Mm. It says in, in John chapter 10, uh, Jesus said this in verses 9 through 11. He said, the thief comes, he's talking about Satan, he says the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. That's what Satan wants for those who are living this lifestyle, who think that, they're, that they are living the dream. And Jesus says, I have come, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Amen. Amen. All right. Any final thoughts before we uh, land this plane? Your heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Okay. And? That's also from the scriptures. Don't look within yourself for truth. (laughs) Your heart is deceitful. Yeah. Look to God. It's a dead end. Yeah. Yeah. Look to God. He provides and defines truth. So. And, 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 and not only that, it is God who also brings about healing to the broken. Amen. And that can't be overstated because we have the finest heart surgeon <laughs> who takes the cold, dead heart and give the heart of flesh, helps you to see your identity. Mm-hmm. And um, not only identity as, as an image bearer of God, but if God regenerates you, your identity is found in Christ. Reminds me of the words of St. Augustine. The heart of man is restless mm-hmm. until he finds his rest in you. And I am going to end it with Dean quoting another goat, Augustine. He's on the Mount Rushmore. He's on the Mount Rushmore. There's a lot of people on this Mount Rushmore. <laughs> well, it's our Mount Rushmore. <laughs> All right, everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for taking interest in Cornfield Theology. If you like this podcast, please uh, like and share and uh uh, do all the relevant things on whatever outlet you're listening to. Uh, also, you can sign up for uh, podcasts and uh, blogs for, at cornfieldtheology.com. You just got to put your email in. Uh, I don't blast you with emails. It's just whenever content goes out, you get it right away in your email inbox. I don't think it's for the younger generation. Y'all text these days. I hate emails. Yeah, you hate emails. We've talked about this before. But for those of you who do still do email, you're welcome to put your email address at cornfieldtheology.com. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Take care. God bless. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.